This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Episode 9 A Team Divided. Needless to say, I wasn't too jazzed to see Jack the next day. The little traitor had left me for dead, all because he was a little jealous of a fairy. What a baby. I couldn't wait to give him a piece of my mind when I saw him at school. Hey, jerk, I said, marching up to him at recess. I had all day to think of a good insult, and the best I could do was jerk? 
Jack whirled around and instantly looked like an escaped tiger was chasing him down. Now hold on, Winnie. Look, I'm sorry I didn't make it last night. Oh, trust me, you'll be plenty sorry when I'm done with you, I said, deciding where to punch him first. What happened? I put my hands on my hips and glared at him. What happened? What happened to you? I almost died last night thanks to you. Jack fixed his glasses. What? I looked over both shoulders. Yeah, that's right, died. The Luna shrunk me down to a bean, Jack. I showed him how small with my fingers. If it weren't for Lou and Oliver, I'd be a goner. Let me guess, you chickened out? No, I fell into a trap. There was this deep hole right in the middle of the trail. I swear, Winnie, I didn't leave you. Once I finally climbed out, I got caught in a rope trap, and then fell into another hole, and... What a liar. I could smell a jack lie from a mile away. I stopped him. I've walked that trail a hundred times. There are no holes. They were hunting traps or something. I don't know, but I swear I would have been there. What would they have been hunting, Jack? Squirrels? There's nothing worth hunting in that forest. You were supposed to be there to protect me. Honestly, if Lou and Oliver hadn't come, I'd be... Ugh, I was so stupid to think you'd have the guts to back me up. I was on a roll. I could go on forever, I was so mad. Jack just took it. Like he knew he was wrong and deserved it. He stayed quiet and let me carry on until he saw something in the tree behind me. You! Jack yelled, his face suddenly furious. He pushed past me and headed for the tree. I turned and saw who he was talking to. Oliver sat casually on one of the lower branches. I ran after Jack. You set those traps, didn't you? Jack shouted. You didn't want me to show up. Luckily, half the kids were playing on the other side of the playground and didn't notice Jack giving a tree a piece of his mind. He looked like a crazy person yelling up at the branches. Oliver laughed. Yep, you caught me. I predicted you'd come down that path, so I dug those holes with these teeny tiny hands. Jack pointed at him. You're trying to take her from me. That was your plan all along. There probably is no queen to save. This is just your way of getting more time with Winnie. Jack, stop it, I said. He kept going. The only reason I joined your stupid quest was because she believed you, not me. I never trusted you for a minute. I noticed, Oliver said. While we're on the topic of trust, it should be noted that you were nowhere to be found when the Lunas attacked. Now, why would Winnie have brought her little sister Lou to keep watch if she really thought you'd show up? Hmm, let me see. Oh, I got it. She doesn't trust you. Enough, I said. Jack, I turned to face him. He was shaking in his dirty overalls, he was so angry. Jack, you're out of the pixie knots. I hesitated and then added, And I, I don't think you should come to my birthday party next week. Jack bit his lips and his eyes grew wet. He stared at me stunned. Jack hadn't missed my birthday party since I started having birthday parties. Honestly, up to that point... My birthday party had basically just been me, him, Lou, and a couple random girls from class that I barely talked to. It would be no different this year. And without him, it would be a downer party for sure. 
but that seemed insignificant compared to everything else going on. Besides, Graham wouldn't let him come in a million years. Not now. Not after all the trouble we'd gotten into. If anything, I was letting him down easy. You don't mean it, he said, his voice shaky. You're not my friend anymore, I said. My own words surprised me, and I immediately felt sick as I saw the effect they had on Jack. But I was too mad to take them back. Jack's bottom lip quivered as he glanced between me and Oliver. And then, without saying another word, he walked away. I never told someone they couldn't be my friend before, probably because I didn't have enough friends to tell off. Jack had been by my side for a long, long time. But just when I needed him most, when my life was on the line, he wasn't there for me. Oliver and I had agreed it'd be best to meet back at Theo's mystery booth later that night to regroup and figure out our next plan of action. Graham had eased up on the prison guard surveillance, so it was becoming increasingly easier to sneak out. Which, of course, meant Lou had to come too. But it wasn't bothering me as much anymore. She'd earned her stripes as a pixie knot. All of us had. Well, almost all of us. That night, after Graham tucked us in and closed her door, Lou and I climbed out our window, ran to the fair, and snuck into Theo's booth. The whole place was full of papers, scattered all over the floor and table, mostly old scrolls and what looked like a lot of pages of scribbled nonsense. Theo was writing feverishly on one at the table and didn't even notice when we walked in. Dr. Theo! My voice made him jump. Theo sprang to his feet. Whew! Mal made my heart explode. Come in, come in, hurry. He waved us in. Stay away from the entrance. How many times do I have to tell you? Theo grabbed his unnecessary cane and walked to the front of his booth to put out a closed sign. Not that he needed it. You'd think his little shack carried the plague the way the crowd moved around it. Theo turned back to us. Where's Oliver and Jack? I'm right here, Oliver said, entering from a small hole in the roof. He flew down and landed on my shoulder. Lou, did you bring the green? he asked. Smiling, Lou pulled a Tupperware from her pants and held it out. What the heck? I was wondering what that sound was on our way over. Fresh strawberry nut salad deluxe, Lou said proudly. Oh, brother, deluxe? Seriously? Without hesitation, Oliver dove into the bowl and started stuffing his face. Lou watched with a pleased smile. Jack won't be coming anymore, I told Theo. He chickened out. Theo looked surprised. Not Jack, he said. That's not like him to back out. I laughed. Are we talking about the same Jack? The one who won't do the monkey bars unless he's wearing a bike helmet? Theo raised a bushy eyebrow. Ah, but you see, caution isn't the weakness of a coward, but the strength of a hero. Either way, he's not coming back. He left me cold last night. How did it go? Theo asked anxiously, moving in to hear the details. Did you use the glove? I went on to tell him everything that had happened the previous night. About the Luna King, the attack, the lights shooting out my fingertips, everything. Theo soaked it all up, occasionally shaking his head in disbelief. 
There were moments in my story where I swear he was wishing he'd been there fighting off the Lunas himself. He kept clenching his teeth and jerking his head with the action. When I finally finished, he looked me over and let out a sigh, as if he'd just enjoyed a good meal. Well, I never, he mumbled. The corpse curse, you say? The whole lot of them coughed up their worst enchantment, and you have nothing to show for it? Wait, what's that? He nodded to the bite mark on my neck. I touched it. This? That's just from a snake bite. Let me see that. He leaned in to get a better look. Those marks are unusually far apart. What species of snake was it? I shrugged. What did it look like? Its color and the pattern on its scales. I don't know. It was long and brown with thin orangish lines down its back. Theo's eyebrows shot up. You're sure? The thing was biting my neck inches from my face. I'd say I'm pretty sure. Theo played with his pointy beard and thought for a moment. Were you treated? Yeah. By whom? My grandma gave me some nasty black drink, and it went away immediately. It hasn't bothered me since. Theo leaned over his cane. The reason I ask, my dear is because that bite on your neck is from one of the deadliest snakes on our planet, a copperback, or devil's spine as it is commonly known round these parts. There's no treatment for its venom. No one has survived a bite more than a day. It must have been. He and Oliver exchanged a look like they were thinking the same thing. No matter, you're better, but we haven't much time. If the Lunas are convinced we have their queen, they'll come looking for her any day now. He sat back in his chair and shook his head. I fear it couldn't have come at a worse time. Because we're unprepared? Oliver asked. Because you will be exposed before then. Your preparations will be thwarted. Oliver flew onto the silver handle of Theo's cane. How so? I can't know for sure, but... I believe Rudy is planning to take down the carousel. What? Why? I asked. It's obvious, isn't it? He must have seen Oliver enter or leave it at some point, and is drooling at the prospect of showing the clan to the world. He's scheduled the park to close early tomorrow night, and he's ordered a bulldozer. It's sitting by the entrance as we speak. If I know Rudy, he wouldn't close the park five minutes early if it meant losing a few dollars. Not if he wasn't going to make it back a hundredfold. What do we do? I asked. Lou scowled at the doorway. We ride the carousel for the next couple days and refuse to get off when they try to move it. I, of course, will get the white stallion. It matches my hair. Theo chuckled. I'm afraid that won't be enough, little lady, <laughs> Lou. He checked for the thousandth time to make sure no one was listening, and then got in close. Oliver, warn your people of Rudy's plans. If there are escape tunnels in place, use them. We might have enough time to avoid both the demolition and the Luna's attack. Oliver nodded. Winnie, get Jack back and prepare for battle. If the orchids can't evacuate in time, it's up to us to defend them. But Jack, I started... He can't be trusted, Oliver said, as if reading my mind. Is that what you think? Theo gave Oliver a stern look. 
Young man, he could have sold you out and had you swinging in a bird's cage by now had he wanted to. Trust. Hexus. Haven't we all committed to the cause, including Jack? He looked at me. As head of the Pixinauts, it is your responsibility to keep everyone together. We need him, Theo insisted. I didn't agree, but I nodded anyway. Fine, I said. Theo turned to Lou and got down to eye level with her. Lou, do what you do. He winked at her, and she smiled like she knew what he meant. But I knew she hadn't a clue. It was pretty sweet, though, how he was making her feel part of it all. Theo stood tall and looked at all of us. I'll stay here and see if I can stop Rudy. For good. The way he said for good was a little unsettling, like he was planning on killing the guy or something. Maybe he was crazy after all. He did work in a fair booth with a plastic dog in a case. Someday, he continued, glancing around his shack, we'll look back and realize how important these moments were. To be successful, we must treat them as our last. I can think of no better way to reopen our hidden history and begin a new era of the Pixinauts. Good luck to each of you. Oliver insisted on escorting Lou and me home. I didn't think it was necessary, but it was nice to have some extra company. Most of the walk was pretty quiet. Every time Oliver tried to ask me something, I gave him short answers. Not because I was mad or anything, I just had a lot on my mind. But Theo really made me feel like I needed to grow up and be a leader. The way he looked at me when I'd said Jack was no longer part of our group made me feel like I'd let him down. I guess I'd never thought of myself as a leader before. Leaders always have so much responsibility and so many big problems to take care of. I wasn't sure I was up to the task. I couldn't take care of a goldfish for crying out loud. And here I was, the leader of the group meant to keep harmony between humans and fairies. We reached the house and Oliver wouldn't leave until he checked every bush for Luna's. After flying through the last shrub, he said goodbye and disappeared into the night, his wings twinkling like a firefly into the darkness. Exhausted, Lou and I climbed up to our window and quietly snuck back into bed. Over the chirps of crickets, I could hear the creaking of Graham's rocking chair coming from the attic and hoped she hadn't already been by to check on us. Think she knows? Lou asked from under her covers. Hope not, I told her. As I lay in bed and listened, I could faintly hear Graham's voice talking. She talked and talked, and the longer she went on, the louder her voice became, almost like she was getting angry. No! I heard her yell. Lou and I shot up in our beds and looked at each other. She knows, I whispered. What do we do? Lou said, gripping her teddy bear. The poor kid was terrified, and for good reason. She'd seen all the punishments Graham had put me through and didn't want them for herself. Let's find out what she knows, I said. Lou nodded, and we both tiptoed out of our room and up to the attic door. It's not like you could have raised them your way, Graham was saying. She was trying to stay quiet, but failing miserably. I've protected them as long as I could from the truth. Just look at all that I've done to keep them from finding out about you. That Winnie, oh, that Winnie, she has too much of you in her. Oh, she'll find out sooner or later, I suppose. No, 
No, no, no, no, no, no. I can't let them know. Not ever. Because the moment I do, I lose them. I mean it. I won't let that happen. You and them will be trapped here forever. Her last words hit me like a bolt of lightning. With my ear frozen in the crack of the door, I caught something that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It was a whisper. Barely a sound at all, but definitely words. Quiet, soft, and desperate. Every time Graham finished a sentence, I heard it. I couldn't tell what the whispering voice was saying, but it struggled to be heard. Graham suddenly threw her knitting needles down hard and jumped to her feet. Her face trembling with anger, she stared down at the chest that had propped up her feet and said, You can't have them! She turned and headed for the door. Lou and I quietly scrambled back to our room, almost tripping over ourselves. The second we dove under the covers and closed our eyes, the doorknob turned. Slowly, the door creaked open. My heart pounded in my chest, and my forehead started to sweat. I waited. The silence was deafening. Nothing was happening. There was no creak from the door closing, no footsteps, just the ringing in my ears. After the longest minute of my life, I turned and looked at the door. It was shut. The sound of Graham's bedroom door closing down the hall finally allowed me to exhale. To be safe, I waited a couple more minutes and then finally got up the courage to get out of bed. Lou, are you awake? Are you kidding me? I think I just wet my pajamas. Did you hear it? I asked her. The voice? Lou nodded slowly. I motioned for the door and Lou reluctantly followed. Trying our best not to make the floor creak, we snuck out the door and back up to the attic. As I got closer, I realized I'd never actually been up in the attic before. The place gave me the creeps, and it smelled like old, musty furniture. Cobwebs, dusty books, and ugly paintings of pale people filled the room. Carefully, we opened the door and walked up to the chest. As we stepped closer, I could hear a sniffling that was as faint as a breeze. I swallowed and looked at Lou. She stared at the chest with wide eyes and squeezed my arm so hard I thought it'd fall off. I pushed her hand away. The soft crying stopped as I got to my knees and reached for the chest's latches. The room fell silent. Letting out a deep breath, I opened the chest. A soft glow illuminated our faces. The light dimmed and then grew brighter, making my wide eyes twinkle. The glow pulsed in the chest. As it faded to a soft glimmer, a tiny person took form. I quietly gasped. It was a female fairy, standing at the bottom of the chest. She stared back up at us with brilliant blue eyes. Beautiful dark brown hair with a golden streak cascaded down her pearl gown. Dozens of little twinkling fireflies floated around her as if attracted to her warm light. But despite her stunning beauty, she looked pale and weak, not vibrant and lively like the other fairies I'd seen. For a moment, I didn't know what to say. My eyes stopped at the golden streak in her hair. Why did it look so familiar? 
When I finally realized what it was, my heart sank. It was the fairy from Graham's story, the one she'd found at the fair. But this wasn't just any fairy. I noticed something shimmering in the corner of the chest. It was a broken crown. My heart raced. We'd found the Orchid Queen.